Christians talk in this language that once I was in the world and I wasn't satisfied. I was craving for this and running to that and tried the other thing and always came up empty. But when I became a Christian, the Lord has satisfied my soul. Uh, I want just to build on that reality. And it is a reality. It is an experience that every true Christian testifies to. Yes, we go through patches in our lives where things seem so dull and empty. But in reality, when we come back to the Lord, He always satisfies, He always ministers to our hearts. Now, there are some areas I want to look at this, and firstly, there is the source of Jesus as the living bread. Look at verse 32 with me, and you will see that He is that bread from above. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. We come today to John chapter 6 and verse 35 to these precious, very well-known words, but still very precious words, one of the I am's of the living Christ of God. We read here that Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The I am's, and there are seven of them in John's gospel, the I am's of Jesus are very special because they prove his deity. They have built with them that I am statement. And of course, for that, Jesus was almost stoned by the Jews because they considered this as blasphemy to use that term personally. But of course, Jesus is God. He declared his deity over and over. When he said, I am the bread of life, he was getting down to, well, the satisfaction that he brings to the human heart. There is no greater need for man than bread, the staple of life that sustains. And in the spiritual way, the Lord Jesus is the one who gives to his people life, eternal life, life that endures, life that persists. And by the miracle of regeneration, we are born of the Spirit and enjoy new life in Christ Jesus. I hope that will be your joy today as we minister on this text, John 6, 35. Well, today already we have read about this feeding of the 5,000. And we cannot imagine what it'd be like to feed such a host. And Philip, of course, he was really overwhelmed. How are we going to feed all these people? 200 pennyworth will only give each one a little. How, how is it possible that out here in the wilderness that we can buy enough bread and feed all this company? And then the Lord, who was the master of the situation, he said to his disciples, just have everybody sit down. And there, amongst the grasses of that wilderness area, uh, they formed in rows. Everything was done so orderly. Crowd control was marvelous. And the miracle began. And, of course, many must have worried at the back of the rows, are we ever going to get fed? Will there be enough food for me? When all these people get fed, will there even be a crumb left for me? Well, we read down here in this passage, 
when they were filled. When they were filled. And then the Lord commanded, take every one of you, these are the twelve disciples now, every one of you a basket. And they gathered them twelve baskets full of fragments. I got to think about those fragments. There's a message here. It tells us that they were all satisfied to full sufficiency. It's like sitting at the table, you've still got food on your plate, and you're so stuffed and filled, I can't eat all this. And there's food left over. And those twelve baskets, they are a testimony to the sufficient supply that the Lord provided to that multitude on that day. What the Lord does, He does abundantly. What the Lord does, He does sufficiently. And no one is left hungry. Now, I want us to take that from the physical realm to the spiritual. Because what is true that day, that there was food for all to full satisfaction, the Lord does for your soul and mine in the gospel plan. Because when the Lord takes on the work of feeding His people, satisfying the need of our hearts, He does all things well, and He fully satisfies each one of our souls. And so, it's true. It is absolutely true that the Lord Jesus, this Christian gospel, this ministry that comes from the man of Calvary, is sufficient for all my needs and all the wants of my heart. Now, that miracle made a tremendous impression upon the crowd. We're told in that last verse that they came to the conclusion, this is the Messiah, and they were going to make him a king instantly. Archbishop Trench, who did some work on these miracles, points out that the Jews were forever pointing to Moses. He was their hero. He was their uh, starting point of parallel uh, for any other prophet. And when this miracle that Jesus did, feeding the 5,000, well, it was like the manna that came from heaven and fed the people for 40 years, came six days a week for 40 years to feed the people in the wilderness. But the Lord had to point out in this chapter 6, the part that I didn't read yet, the Lord had to point out, Moses gave you that bread, but they died. That was for physical need. He said, I am the true bread, the bread of God, which cometh down from above to give every man life, eternal life. And so the Lord took this whole event, and he applied it to himself as the bread from God, who doesn't just give temporary life, but eternal life, spiritual life, life that will last and endure. And I want to take that line of truth today and just talk with you about the Lord satisfying the need of your heart. It's true. It's real. Christians talk in this language that once I was in the world and I wasn't satisfied. I was craving for this and running to that and tried the other thing and always came up empty. 
But when I became a Christian, the Lord has satisfied my soul. Uh, I want just to build on that reality. And it is a reality. It is an experience that every true Christian testifies to. Yes, we go through patches in our lives where things seem so dull and empty. But in reality, when we come back to the Lord, He always satisfies, He always ministers to our hearts. Now, there are some areas I want to look at this. And firstly, there is the source of Jesus as the living bread. Look at verse 32 with me, and you will see that he is that bread from above. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. And then he says in verse 33, For the bread of God. Now you just think of the impact of that statement. The Lord is referring to himself. I'm the bread of God. I'm the bread that God has sent for you and giveth life unto the world. We know that God gave his only son, and he gave him to be the answer to the cravings, the separation of heart, the guilt of sin, the shame of sin, the curse of sin. And the Lord is that true bread that really satisfies the soul. Now, how can you possibly accept that? That a man who'd lived 2,000 years ago can offer something for you, the need of your heart today. That when you take of this cup and bread as the expression of faith in, a, a, in one called Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and that by doing so, there is a ministry to your heart that brings peace, joy, contentment, fellowship with God. It's called communion because it means that there is now a two-way trucking between my heart and my Lord and my Lord to my heart. How can this be? Because Jesus is the bread of God, and He came down from heaven. The problem with the manna that the Lord pointed out for those, uh, that it was temporary. And of course, they had to gather it every day because it rotted. It couldn't endure. But our Lord Jesus is that true bread, the bread of God, the bread in whom there is no perishing and is divine. Now, that's really the point. And in our Lord Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You can read of that in the book of Colossians chapter 2. This bread, the true bread of God, is the fullness of the Godhead. That takes some thinking about to understand and comprehend. And so what he does and what he works is no mere temporary human effort, but it has the stamp of divine, the stamp of infinite. It is all-sufficient. And he is able to supply the need of our hearts. The prayers of our Lord Jesus are the prayers of God. 
the prayers that are always answered and sufficient, His power to heal and to resist the devil. The Lord Jesus conquered, overcame. Never was there a lack of power. His compassion for people. The Lord never failed to minister to a seeking heart. And I want to point you to trust and faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus. There is a fullness in His person. There's also a fullness in His atonement. And that leads us to the cross. Because when Jesus died on that cross, it was not a mere man. He was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Now, if you look at verse 51, and we just don't have time to work our way down the theology of this chapter, but if you look at verse 51, you will see what our Lord Jesus was getting at when he said, I am the true bread, the bread of God. I am that bread from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, now what's he talking about? Bread. Jesus wasn't bread. What was it then? He shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is, I note this, verse 51, the bread that I will give is my flesh my body. Now, how did the Lord Jesus do that? How did He give His body? He was kneeled to the cross. And out of that sacrifice, this was God's eternal plan and purpose to provide a sacrifice that would be of infinite value, that it would be sufficient to wash away the sins of all who would ever believe, of every generation and time. And so this is the sufficiency of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. And out of that cross work, and out of that one death, out of that sacrifice at Calvary, there comes now the redemption of the whole church, the whole body of Christ, every believer that will put their faith in Him. Out of one life, there now comes life for multitudes. And Jesus on that cross was God in the flesh. This is the, the miracle of it all. God in the flesh. And so out of His life laid down on the cross, there is a sufficiency of atonement. And here we are today. The Lord commands us to remember Him. Remember me. Look to the cross. Keep your eyes on the one who has died for you. And to your heart comes now this ministry of the gospel good news of salvation, peace, power, victory, all the benefits of redemption. That brings me to the endless supply, the endless supply that is in our Lord Jesus. We do not limit the atonement. 
I believe God had an elect from all eternity whom he would save, but we do not limit the atonement. This blood of Jesus is of such infinite power that it could redeem all worlds and all multitudes and is absolutely efficient in the salvation of each one that believes in Jesus, the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. Now, out of that sufficiency, that fullness, there comes endless mercy to you and me, endless mercy. The psalmist called it mercy that is new every morning. And we live on, and we go through life, and all the spots and stains of sin that gather on us, there is cleansing. There is washing in the blood of Jesus. Endless mercy. Mercy when we first come. Mercy when we fall. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us. You know that text in 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us. That cleanseth, E-T-H. I know it's Old English, but it's precious because it means it keeps on cleansing, never loses its cleansing power. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Oh, yes, we have sin. And it's that sin that creates unhappy hearts. It's that sin that de depresses us, grieves us. And we need renewed fellowship by washing in the blood. And the Word goes on to say that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so there's endless mercy that comes to us from the work of the cross. Uh, when the Lord saved sinners, let's note this, uh, when he said to people, thy sins be forgiven thee, it was sins in total. It wasn't partial forgiveness. It wasn't piecemeal forgiveness. Say, well, uh, you can be this much forgiven today, and if you're a good man, we'll, we'll forgive you this much tomorrow. And if you keep on being good, we'll, we'll forgive you a little more each day. No, he announced. Think of the man who was sick of the palsy, brought in a stretcher to Jesus and laid at his feet. He not only healed him, but he pronounced, Thy sins be forgiven thee, the totality of his sin. And that's the mercy that we're enjoying today as we remember Calvary, as we take that cup and bread. What are we saying? Lord, this blood means my sins are gone. This bread means that I have full fellowship with my living Lord Jesus. We try to sing that great hymn of Samuel Davies. It's number 26 in our hymnal. Great God of wonders, all thy ways are matchless, godlike and divine. And then the, uh, the refrain, who is a pardoning God like thee? Who has grace so rich and free? Or who has grace so rich and free? So the Lord gives us endless mercy out of that sufficiency. Now, now think of where we got, how we got here. Think of those 12 baskets filled. Think of the 5,000 men, and besides how many ever else were there. 
all filled to capacity, and, and there was the over and above in those twelve baskets. And it was all this, the creating power of the Lord Jesus. Now we're taking that to the spiritual realm. And out of the life of the Lord Jesus comes sufficient, abundant mercy. Every sin goes. As far as the east is from the west, they're cast away from us, blotted out, never to be seen again. They're gone. And then comes grace. Because this Lord Jesus, we're told in John 1, is full of grace. And we receive, we all receive of his grace. Grace for grace. When you read that in the Bible, grace for grace, it means an endless flow and supply of grace. Now, what is grace? It's one of those great Christian Bible terms that's really beyond definition because it's beyond comprehension. Mercy we apply to the forgiveness of sins. It deals with the negative. It deals with the things that are separate between us and God. Mercy is forgiveness. Grace, we would say, is the divine supply of spiritual life. Spiritual power, strength, help, the indwelling of the Lord's enabling power that we might be overcomers in the Lord Jesus. And for us today, there is endless grace. You'll never burn up all the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know, the Lord doesn't just open up a little bank account of grace, and you're allowed to withdraw from it a little bit, but if you take too much, uh, the account will run dry. The Lord doesn't give you a little amount and say, you can enjoy so much, and that's enough. No, we receive of him grace for grace, abundant grace. And just as all that crowd was satisfied with the creating power of the Lord, every Christian, every believer, everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus receives more grace than he can handle. His multiplied his love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth, and giveth again. Thank you.
have exhausted our store of endurance when our strength is failed ere the day is half done when we reach the end of our hoarded resources our father's forgiving is only begun his love has no limit his grace has no measure his power has no boundary known unto man for out of his infinite riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth Thank you for joining with us here, and I trust that today's message on God's grace will thrill your heart. Oh, to be saved by grace. What a wonderful and an amazing thing. Here is a little account by Mr. Spurgeon on the nature of what is called amongst Christians free grace. Now, that's a doubling of the terms, but is it right? Mr. Spurgeon said, We are accustomed not only to say grace, but free grace. It has been remarked that this is a tautology. So it is, but it is a blessed one, for it makes the meaning doubly clear and leaves no room for mistake. We feel no compunction in ringing such a silver bell twice over. Grace, free grace, lest any should imagine that grace can be otherwise than free. We shall continue to say not only grace, but free grace so long as we preach. And indeed, may that be our message until our dying hour. We are saved not by works, not by performance, not by our goodness, our self-righteousness, but by the altogether mercy and the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, right here in, on earth, we will sing of grace. We will preach grace. And when we get to heaven, we will glory in grace, because otherwise we wouldn't deserve to be there in the land of glory if it was not of full, free grace. Take that to heart, and may the Lord bless you richly through the knowledge that you are saved by grace alone. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. 
or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music